0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am joined this afternoon by my co-host, Wilkie Law III. Will, how are you? I'm
1: doing groovy,
0: groovy. Awesome, and we are so thrilled, Um, and I'm so disappointed. I'm going to start with saying I'm so disappointed, because this person said the funniest thing I've heard in forever, like two and a half minutes ago. Uh, We're joined by Nikki D'Angrato today. So, Nikki, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask you to repeat the story you just told about weather because, like I said, it was one of the funniest things I've heard maybe in the entire (laughs) podcast history that we have. So, I was talking about how I'm
2: from Chicago, but I moved up to Arizona. So, like, people out here don't understand what weather is. So, like, my kids will be like, is it going to rain? But it'll be like a white, fluffy cloud outside because we don't have weather or clouds or anything. <laughs> so mm. I'm always like, oh, look, it's weathering every time there's like one cloud
0: in the sky. <laughs> and it's <still> just like <laughs> so funny. Oh, it's so funny <laughs> because, you know, we were talking, I'm, I'm in Wisconsin and this is obviously the best time of year to be in Wisconsin and to be enjoying that weather, but... Like, when I moved to Houston, it was so bonkers how, like, I had never seen what three inches of rain in an hour looked like until I moved to Houston, and it was just, well, I mean, and, and Will, you don't, we were talking, you were dealing with that yesterday.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah, yesterday we got a pretty bad but We've been in the bad, very bad storm system, um, all of kind of South Texas, from Corpus Christi all the way up. Uh, we've been getting dumped on for the last four days, so a little bit of flash flooding, um, you know, three to
2: four inches,
0: sometimes five to six inches in
2: a couple of hours. some yesterday it was like twenty five minutes to jumped up like three three inches of rain. So yeah, welcome to the swamp, you know? <laughs> that's, that's,
0: Send some of it our way. Yeah. We gladly probably would. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they would do. I mean, what would they do if it rained that much in Arizona?
2: We have like a big drought right now, so like you can't have forest or you can't have fires if you go camping or anything. They closed down a bunch of trails, so really send some rain.
0: Do you do you have out there like they have in Vegas, where people have like the the fake grass in their yards and stuff like that?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. One of my fellow teachers just got got put in for her yard. She got some fake grass. Wow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was
2: pretty awesome. When I moved to Vegas, when I moved to Vegas, I went to Vegas to
1: visit a friend of mine, and um, he and his wife in that backyard, you know, was all fake grass. I'm like, dude, I would love
0: it. Mm-hmm. No yard care. No grass. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I have this rock. Every now and again. Oh yeah. <laughs> mhm. Right. Awesome. Awesome. So, Will, do you want to just kind of outline for what the what the podcast is about, and and what uh, what we strive to do with it?
1: Um, basically, we, we wanted to have a platform. Kyle had the idea. We've been having this conversation for the past five years about teacher and trying to return the value of teaching to the teaching craft uh, so that teachers can know that what they're doing has a big impact on not just the schools in the classroom, but also in, in, the, in society. So we wanted to have a medium and a platform where we can actually uh, introduce uh, the authentic voice of the teacher to to the general public, so they can see that it's not just what's going on in the news, That there are teachers out here who are working and diligently seeking out to be that hope for students, so that they can have something to look forward to, and uh, that's where we kind of landed on with the LED podcast, and we're thankful that you're here with us uh, to take part of this, with, to be a part of this conversation. Yeah,
2: I'm excited to be here. This will be
0: really fun awesome all right so so the first thing we we like to do with the podcast is just to uh let our listeners get get to know you a little bit so could you give us a little bit of your backstory and kind of the the path you took uh to becoming a teacher and and where you're at now
2: um so i'm a planner so like in first grade i decided i was gonna be a teacher and i was gonna move to arizona so um yeah it's been since then, but i it's more because like I loved school. Like I would do math problems for fun. Um, in elementary school, I did Partners Club, which was like after school, we would hang out with kids with special needs, and we would play games with them. Um, and then in high school, I thought I wanted to be a math teacher, so I did a program where I worked in um, a lower-level freshman math class decided I didn't really want to do that and then I went to an elementary class so like every year, every day senior year we get bus to an elementary school um so I started in high school and then I went through in college um I went to school in Naperville and then two weeks after graduating I moved out here took a job in first grade and now I'm in second grade for the last four years so it's my just finished up my fifth year teaching out here
0: can can I ask why in first grade you decided on Arizona? So
2: I have two older brothers and they moved to Arizona and I loved like the mountains, everything out here, so I decided that's where I wanted to go too. Like they did it, so I'll do that. But I ended up really loving it too, so
0: Awesome. Awesome. As yeah. a as a as a fellow northerner who moved, I really I really appreciated the experience. Um I have I have a nephew who will be one tomorrow and I have a nephew that'll be three in August. So that kind of precipitated the move back home for me last year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the getting out and away from home experience I think has been, was really good for me. So, um, do you have a particular teacher that you would say stands out was just your all time favorite teacher? And, and if so, why was that person so special?
2: Yeah, so in first grade, I had Miss Patrika and um, I had her again in fourth grade, too. But just, I loved going to school every single day, first grade, fourth grade, and I feel like she just mastered, like, how to build relationships with kids. Um, She would write to us in the summers, and I was her pen pal all the way from first grade until now. Um, I would write to her even through college, and now we're Facebook friends, um, and it's still, like... I'm such a little kid about it. Like, if she likes my picture on Facebook, I'm like, oh, Miss Patricka likes my stuff. Like, you know, a little kid, like that. Um, but I feel like her class was just so interactive. I remember, like, studying the rainforest and doing um, this thing called Maya Quest, where we, like, followed these people um, who were traveling the world and would blog about it. And yeah, she just totally mastered, like, how to build relationships and keep kids engaged.
0: Awesome. That sounds awesome, yeah. and that's so funny. Like that you, like, you know, keep track. Cause I, I saw you. you we I, I just saw you posted like that. Are is that why you're doing? Didn't you send telegrams or, or postcards to your students from when you were back home? Didn't I see that on your Instagram?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but in my class last year, or just like kids that have kept in touch with me, I'll send them postcards and we write back and forth. Um, even, like, during the school year, I'll get them in my mailbox, so that's pretty fun. And that's why I, like, created some of that summer pen pal kits and stuff so that other teachers can do that, too.
0: Do kids just, I mean, I guess, I guess I take for granted getting, you know, snail mail, but do the kids really like it that they get mail in the, in the postal mail?
2: yeah they love it I mean I love getting mail like I look forward to checking my mailbox every day like a weirdo but um yeah they love getting it they love writing me back and stuff and they'll come up to me like the first day of school and they're like I I heard that you saw monkeys at the zoo and like go into detail about what I told them in their postcard so it's super fun
0: that's fantastic. You know, and I
2: can, I can, I can, I can second that because even, even my our
1: daughter is the same way. Like, she looks forward to you know why don't I get anything in the mail? Why can't I have something in my name in the mail? And I think it's that idea of something coming for them. You know, for kids, it's like that's a big deal. Yeah. As much as, technology, as, much as technology is, and, you know, they can text messages and email. It's still ironic that she loves the idea can she get something to the mail? We had a subscription of National Geographic that came in her name so she got mail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's well, just something fun. about it. Yeah.
2: And that's how mm-hmm. I am. I still write letters to everybody. So.
0: See, I'm... I'm the opposite. I'm the guy that, like, didn't want to... S- My sister sends me an RSVP for her wedding, which she knows I'm going to, and I'm like, I'm not going to send this back to you. I don't want to put this in the mail. And she got so mad at me because she had put a stamp on it already. So I'm very anti-real mail, but... That's funny. That's, I'm, a, I'm a terrible brother in that regard, so... Um, so, on, on the topic of teachers... What do you think is the value of a really great teacher?
2: Um, I feel like a great teacher is one that's like gets kids super excited about learning and you're like in charge of helping them find what they're passionate about. Um, like help them find their strengths but also help them find their weaknesses and like teaching them that your weaknesses are totally fine to have and how are we gonna make it better. Um it's just like all about like if you're helping kids feel confident and like they can succeed and fail. That that's like a huge part of being a great teacher. Hmm. You know, I like that you
1: said that the and fail. You know, <laughs> I think this is the generation where they they don't understand that, that there's an art in telling. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't be right all the time, you know. I always used to tell students, don't tell me, okay, I got it. Those are the worst words you can tell me. Because as soon as you tell me, okay, I got it, here comes the test. So you have it? Okay, let's see. Yeah. I really used to say, I, I got it, but, you know, mm-hmm. I got it, but I still can't see it this way. And it's like trying to get down. I'm a math teacher, by the way. So it kind of, you know, for me, it's always... Uh, you know, not just giving me an answer, but explaining to me your thinking while you were processing that answer. Uh, And so I think that that is is something that kids have to learn, especially early, is what does it it feel like to fail? And what does it feel like to succeed? So I can know that even in my failures, I have to fail in order to get to that point of success. And Mm -hmm. uh, feeling accomplished when I succeed. You know, because right now kids succeed, and it's like, oh, okay. No, you you know I teach middle school, so it's like it's strange how elementary you can see the excitement when they can write a correctly, or when they understand how, you know what comes after B or what comes after twelve. But then about middle school, it's like everything's kind of nonchalant. It's like you want to reignite that fire and that passion for for the process of learning again with students, so that they can actually, you know, be, be become those lifelong learners, not just school but lifelong learners in every
2: situation yeah and i'm always telling them because they want to copy off somebody else so i'm always saying if you copy off somebody else Then I only know if they know what they're doing. I don't know if you know what you're doing. So I'm always telling them if you get them all wrong and you tried your best, that's totally fine because then we're going to go work on it when we do small groups. So I just need to know what you know. And when we talk about it like that and they like repeat that back to me, and I go ask them that all the time like, is it okay if you get all the answers wrong? And they'll tell me, yeah, we just have to have tried our best and then we can work on it later if we're so confused. So I feel like that mind switch because that's not how I felt when I was little. I felt like I had to get. Hundred on everything, so I want them to know like it's cool if you don't know it, because then I know we need to keep working on it.
1: Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love that that mind switch. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I love the response to the value of a great teacher. Um, and I want to know for you, from your perspective, what is the state of education? Today?
2: So, like, when you asked that question initially, my thought is, it's not good, um, which I think is true in a lot of ways, but I am really excited because I do feel like we're on our way to improving things, because I feel like with social media, there's a lot more teachers that are standing up for things, and it's getting other teachers to stand up um, for those same things and speak out about things, and um, especially, like... With red for ed and all of that in Arizona going on. It really got a lot more teachers like speaking out and involved and getting petition signed. Um, And states across the U.S. have been making changes. So I think, like, the confidence from other teachers feeds off each other. And there's just been a lot more, like, even yesterday with um, World Refugee Day, like, people are speaking out against things. And I think that's not necessarily how teachers are naturally. Like, we're not going to go fight against um, things. But I think more and more people are standing up for what they believe in and hopefully making more changes soon. (sighs)
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, you know,
1: it, it, it always just, you know, everybody has their own view of social media, and we get a lot of the negatives, but I think the social media really opens up our classroom, and it gives everyone, I think, an opportunity to view inside, even if it's not our actual teaching, our philosophies, and our, our, our way of going about education. Uh, the different things that are happening with students and among students, so you can kind of connect. It gives you a larger uh, PLN versus you know just the people in your, in your in your media school or your district or your local region. It gives you an opportunity to teach teachers. You know, I'm all the way in Texas, Kyle's in Wisconsin, you're in Arizona, so mm-hmm. we're already starting to put things together from various perspectives and vantage points to be able to really look at and help people kind of navigate what's going on in education and see mm-hmm. how they can find their little niche.
2: Yeah, exactly. So. And especially, like, right for Ed, the whole movement in Arizona, like, we were talking to the other states that had done it before, and, like, what did you find successful? And, like, they suggested you need to be in there, you know, talking to the representatives. Don't just stand outside the Capitol building. But, like, so with social media, like, they're teaching – we're teaching each other how to improve – Like the state of education. Mm Mhm. Awesome. And that's that's
1: where the difference comes. That's where the difference comes. Mm Mhm. So, what is what philosophy of of education do you subscribe to in your classroom?
2: So I would say first and foremost, like relationships are the most important thing. like, when I'm explaining to, like, my student teachers and stuff, like, you're going to listen to somebody that you love and care about much more than somebody that bugs you. So, the kids are going to listen to you when they respect you. Um, and you just soak up everything when you're invested in that person. And, like, when they trust you, um, all of that. So, a big part of it is building that relationship with them, but also teaching them how to have relationships with others. Um is key too. I think, especially like second grade, um, we're still learning like it's okay to disagree with somebody, but this is how you do that, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely relationships are big in my room as well as, like, independence is huge. So all the time I'm asking my kids, like, is that something you can be a problem solver about? Because I want them, I feel like when they're little, their parents do a lot for them or teachers do a lot for them. And so I just try to make them do anything that they can possibly do independently, like, they do it. And if they mess it up, that's fine. We're going to learn from it year seven. That's cool. Um, So they're in charge of, like, all their supplies. You run out of something. You don't need to come talk to me. How can you problem solve? How can you do it? And I teach that a lot with, like, think alouds, um, And then it goes into their learning, too. So, like, you have a question about sharks, and I tell them, you know, I don't know the answer to that. What can we do? And they decide, oh, we can look it up online, and this is how we can search it. And um, just teaching them how to solve problems on their own and how to take charge of their own learning, because that's what they're going to do when they're not in school anymore. So... That's probably my big stuff is, like, independence relationships and, like, teaching them how to take charge of their own learning and take it where they want to go. Well, I like to hear you say that, that, you know, because a lot of times
1: we, as teachers, we, we find ourselves, and I think we do it kind of subconscious, you know, subconsciously because we don't think about it. We're just saying we do most of the thinking for the students, and we give them the opportunity just to apply our thinking to a situation or a problem. We don't ever give them that opportunity to create their own authentic way. Uh, you know, you know, especially now that you know we're we're in that age where technology allows us to look at what the brain does during certain parts of learning. You know, mm-hmm. when you're talking about neuroplasticity with children when they're making mistakes that they're actually, you know, uh, they're actually growing their brain. Mm-hmm. You know, I purposely now when I get something in my mind that I know I know. I personally will just stop and I will map backwards to try to find out what can I, what trigger can I get to remember that thing that I'm trying to remember right now that just dictates my mind and I celebrate myself for doing that because I know that I'm growing my own mindset when I'm dealing with an issue or something, even if it's something trivial as the other day, I was reading a scripture and I wanted to remember it later on in the day and I couldn't remember it and I literally sat there and Kept the in on it until I started almost reverse engineering the whole day to get back to it. But then now, I will never forget it because I've I've cemented it into my brain. And Mm -hmm. I've also created a a path that my brain knows when I don't know something, this is how you do it. So every time it gets a little bit better and a little bit faster. And I think the sooner we teach that to kids, just like with, you know, building relationships, they'll begin to put the pieces together for for those complex problem-solving issues.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah exactly so, and that's what i want to teach them to do because i mean teachers are there to help but like in the end when you're an adult and you want to learn something you have to take charge of it and you have to figure out how you're going to do it so i want to start teaching them those things now so they can problem solve and feel like that failure we talked about before and what do you do okay now let's try something new mm-hmm. so
1: they don't give up so fast Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, you know this generation of kids, that you know they're quick to, to drop their pencil and give up. And I'm like, no, because that's the time to give up. When mm-hmm. you want to drop your pencil, that's the time you dig in because your brain is telling you, I'm struggling to get it. So now you just figure out what's happening, you know what's going on. How can I go get it? Mm-hmm. So, um, like I just I think that that ties in with the state of education. I, I got what you were saying about you know kind of being dual. You see the bad, but you also see the promise of the good. And I think that's one of those, that good side, that more teachers are shifting to that. So putting mm-hmm. the ownership of that learning on the student and how they're going to focus themselves to get themselves to where they're supposed to be. So awesome. awesome. I celebrate you for that. That's all. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So um, this is something I'm struggling with. Um, um, being a teacher now, going, this is my 12th year and a sedentary <laughs> lifestyle of most teachers. Um, what is the importance of health, fitness, and self-care for teachers?
2: Um, I feel like, just like you said, it's like something that totally goes on the back burner for most teachers because you're so worried about everybody else. But I feel like that is like, should be one of the top priorities in your life. Obviously, like family, friends, they come first. But, um, like for me, it's just second nature that I get up and like go to work and right straight from work I go right to the gym and I feel like when I'm having a bad day like that's exactly what keeps me sane is like I can get to the gym I can throw around some heavy weights I'm gonna feel better (laughs) um it's like such a stress relief and like especially like mental health too like I feel like there's a big need for like mental health support for teachers and health and fitness is huge like that is my total like stress relief keeps me going Um, yeah I definitely look forward to that at the end of the day but I think that a lot of people don't have something that is like health and fitness related that they love because they think it has to be, you know, lifting or one thing or running or, um, so it's important to find that so that you can look forward to that during your day or do it before work or, um, things like that. Mm. Absolutely. You know, if,
1: you know, Kyle. Like, uh, I know for me, this has been a struggle. Kyle was, was helping me out when he was here, you know, was offering me training, uh, it's something I, I struggle with, and I recognize the struggle. And so this year, I've actually taken this year and kind of compartmentalized it. And the first part of the year I want to work on eliminating things from my diet, you know, and kind of uh, focusing on uh, what what that looks like. And now I'm introducing the, the weight training back into it because I would always get either one or the other correct. You know, when you try to do it, it's like one's going to be good and then the other's going to be like, either I'm working out, you know, consistently and I'm eating like crap or, you know, the other way around. So, um, it just kind of makes you, you know, I had to do, like, let me master one. Now, Mm -hmm. let me add the other one to it. So, I'm proud to say, you know, this is Thursday. I've worked out three days this week. uh, I'm going to the gym later on this afternoon. So, like, I I, am hearing and being able to talk with other people who are teachers and educators who are saying this is how they can do it, and giving you tips and kind of helping us through that process, I think is really, really huge for, uh, mm-hmm. for teachers who are struggling and, and want to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really just in, like, every day. I mean, not every single day, but most days I leave by 4 because my class, like, my the class starts right after. So, that um, like, forces me to go home from school and go work out and i feel like it just makes me a better teacher because i'm a happier person i'm gonna be a happier teacher
0: (laughs) right 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 so you just mentioned that uh that you do crossfit is there any other particular habits that you have or routines you have besides just doing crossfit
2: Usually, like, once a year, I'll run, like, a half marathon, so I switch between those two, Um, but as far as, like, food goes, I'm, I eat, I would say, like, 80% healthy through the day, but I also, I have to have dessert, like, after every meal, and that keeps me happy, too. (laughs) I love it, yeah. 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 I know. I I always see these people, and they're like, I won't eat any more dessert, and I was like, I don't want your life. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll eat my cookies, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, and you know I, I mentioned that my my nephew's going to be 1 tomorrow. We had his birthday on Saturday and and Wills laughing because like it was it was a fishing theme, so he it was like why it is the big one, you know, like catching the big <laughs> one the fish. So there's like the five pound bag of Swedish fish and the five pound bag of sour bread crawlers and cake pops and all this stuff. And like, I ate so much of it that like Monday, like my body finally was just like, nope, you're going to regret, you're going to regret that. So I, I, I I didn't pay the price until Monday, but I think finally now my system is kind of rebooting. But you know, the fact that you tell me that dessert is okay, you know, I'm, I just can't eat so much dessert. Like I'm a candy person. Like, and Will Will knows this, and our other really good friend Ben. Like, they always tease me because I would just I would get done with a workout and then I would eat Skittles or something like yeah. that, and it's totally it's totally unproductive.
2: Yeah, my friends call me a hummingbird because I just run
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. That is the second funniest thing I've heard. Oh, that's so good. So. Uh, you and I in our in our emails back and forth have kind of been sharing a little bit of our our CrossFit pain, and I don't want to dissuade people from trying CrossFit. It's it's I loved it. I've been doing it you know six years, um, and it's really not as intimidating as they make it look on TV. But I'd love to know your and this can be either a movement or a workout. So your least favorite movement or workout, and your favorite movement or workout. Um.
2: Okay favorite are wall balls and thrusters um like today it's a partner workout and it's wall balls burpees and rolling and i like claimed with my partner last night i was like you got the wall balls i got the burpees like
0: <laughs> right. do
2: them all for me <laughs> oh. um but my favorite would be i actually do like burpees i know i'm weird um but i like squats and running that's
0: my favorite mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would have to say the uh, either um, I think the snatch is probably my least favorite just because it frustrates me so much because my shoulder mobility is not very good. Like uh-huh. I can I can overhead squat like I think my overhead squat max is like one sixty five or one seventy, but I can't I can't do any I can't snatch above one fifteen because my mobility just doesn't doesn't allow me to do the movement correctly. It's. uh. It's frustrating to me. Um, yeah. I, I've really started to enjoy, like, the the sandbag and kind of more of the strongman stuff we've been doing. I, I, I kind of like that because I can just – it makes me feel good to just kind of dig in and just kind of do grunt work. I really like that.
2: That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I uh, – wall balls. Anything where you need height, yeah, I'm out. I'm 4'11 and a half, so –
0: Right. I feel
2: like I should get to stand on a box when I wall
0: ball really. Right. But. I I I agree with you. But I mean you're you're probably you're probably doing um, you're probably doing really good on stuff like handstand push-ups though. Yeah. Like, uh, they're good. Yeah. And one of the one of the girls at my, my gym up here is like like four probably like four ten. Like and that might be giving her credit to say she's four ten. Um but she's just like so awesome. But she was doing wall balls, and and like I said, it's it's unfair because we have Wilkie and I have a friend in Houston who's six eight, and like when he like does a when he does, yeah, when he does the wall ball, he literally can it, it basically his hands touch the target. <laughs> so it's not oh, fair. I
2: can't even reach the bar to get to the pull, so I gotta like scale.
0: Right. Right. Oh. Well, so. <laughs> So, you know, in in talking about movement, um, how do you then incorporate movement into your classroom? Because I know you've, you know, on what you put on Instagram and that kind of stuff, you you really feel like movement is an important part of your class. So how do you incorporate that into your classes? Yeah, so it's a huge
2: part of my life. um, I can't sit still for more than 10 minutes. So I don't want to expect my kids to be able to do that. So uh, we're never in one spot for more than 10 to 15 minutes. So I like to teach at the carpet. Um, they all sit up front with me. I can see them. They're close by. And then we go back and do something at our seats. Um, and we do that all day long. We're constantly moving. Um, I just feel like it gets their brain moving, everything going. But we do a ton of go noodle breaks. um, even just going between their carpet seat to their regular seat, I'll have them, okay, you're going to crab walk over, and the girls are going to bear crawl back. Um, which is funny, because, you know, like CrossFit, you're thinking of bear crawl, but they take it, as was like, Roar, and like, <laughs> <I'm> crazy over. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not what I meant, but that works. It um, works. <laughs> yeah, and Everything we do, I have them model what we're going to do, and that's going to give them more movement just, like, at the carpet. So I'm like, okay, first first cut, then glue. So they pretend to cut, and then they pretend to glue. Um, and I just incorporate it into reading, math. Like, they they make up their own movements that go with our vocabulary words, and I feel like that builds it into their long-term memory, all kinds of stuff. So we're constantly, like, up, moving, dancing,
0: Walking around, bear crawling,
2: constantly moving. <laughs> that's awesome. Bear crawling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> growling back to our seats. <laughs> that's
0: so. That's so funny because I I have I have my CrossFit Level One and CrossFit Kids and it we you know when you go to the CrossFit Kids class the majority of the yeah. movements for the really young kids they explain through animals so uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's a lot of fun but I mean that's a that's a great way to bring it. Um, into, into the classroom. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's really fun. And then I have flexible seating too in my room, so we're never sitting still. <laughs>
0: awesome.
1: And how do you feel the flexible
2: seating benefits your kids? Um, I've seen like a huge increase in their ability to keep working without getting off task um and also like test scores have gone up um and they love it so when kids are excited about being at school they're going to work harder um and we start it from the first day of school and um like the first couple weeks they're just rotating because they have like the wiggle seats crate seats they can sit on the rocking those rocker seats or on the floor the ball seats the standing desk regular chairs like we have tons of stuff so um I just teach them, like, you're going to need to pick a place where you can get your work done. So, yes, the ball seat is cool, but if you keep rolling off of it, are you getting your work done? Um, And they usually, by, like, halfway through the year, they'll know, like, oh, I can't sit by my best friend, even though our best friend's outside, That's not the best place for my learning, Um, so it just teaches them that independence, too, and making good choices, so they'll come up to me, and they'll be like, I'm going to move because I'm going to keep talking to, you know, so-and-so, and and I need a new spot so I can get my learning done, and, like, that's the coolest part is when they're telling you, like, oh, I'm, I'm best friends with him, but I know that's not the best place for me, so... And I like that it just keeps them wiggling, and it really helps my specialized students too. Absolutely,
1: it's kind of it's kind of like those little commercial brain breaks.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think about too, like if I sit down to go work on teachers pay teachers stuff, I don't sit in a desk. Like I go sit on my couch, I sit on the floor, then I move to my table. Like I can't sit still, so why would I want? If why would I make a seven year old try to do that? You know.
1: So. you know and I think it's interesting because even me teaching middle school I um, I teach 6th grade math and I tell people all the time if you understand a child's development and the developmental uh, milestones they go through I am asking kids to be completely unnatural if I tell a group of 6th graders to sit in a room, be quiet and listen to me <laughs> talk for 90 minutes that yeah 90 minutes <laughs> I am setting myself up for failure every time I expect that to happen. Yes. You know, so I think understanding that kids have to move, kids have to talk. You know, um, this, will be, this will be my first year going back into the classroom. I've, I've been a, an instructional coach for the past three years, uh, and now I'm going back in the classroom full time. And um, I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and especially with a lot of the things that, you know, that I've seen, you know, being an in instructional coaching, going in and out. I mean, I've been in so many teachers' classrooms in the last three years, you know, all across our district and saw some really great teaching. And it's like, yeah, that cool. I'm going to take a little bit of that, take a little bit of this, you know, bring this in here, involve this. And then you add in talking with great people like yourself on this podcast. It just fills me up with so much that I, I make sure I take notes and I put in my margins the things that I like <laughs> that, you know, that I feel like, oh, I can incorporate that. Oh, I can do that. And I think that that, if I'm using it that way, that's what I'm hoping that other teachers do when they're listening to it is that they're kind of listening and saying, how can I glean from this what's going to be best for my classroom? Yeah. Um, so I think that is a huge, huge thing um, is that you can't, you know, as teachers, you can't fight against nature. Kids have to move. Kids want to talk. Yep. You know? And you give them that opportunity, they'll do anything in the world for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so talk to us real quick about what it's been like in Arizona over the past few months. We kinda of talked about it a little bit before we got online, we kinda of alluded to it earlier, with the red red for air movement.
2: Mhm. So it was really stressful because, you know, we're told like, okay, we're leaving our classroom. And you didn't know when you were coming back. You didn't know, like, the next time you were going to see your kids. And at first, you're like, okay, maybe a day or two. But um, it went on for, like, a week. And so that part was really stressful and not knowing, not knowing if your parents were supportive of us or, like, how they felt about it. Um, And there was a lot of misconception, too, that it was just, you know, teachers want more money. But um, it was about, like, restoring funding that had been taken from education like before the during the recession, so like yes, we want livable wages because I mean really I can't live on my teacher salary um, without like teachers pay teachers and other stuff supplementing it, but um, it was really about getting new curriculum, getting like the money to fund. What our kids need. So many of us have like old, old textbooks or like, you know, worn down rooms, um, all kinds of stuff. So it was all about that and just getting, you know, the community to see it was about their kids. It's not just, you know, about teachers. Um, but it was really cool to see like all of us come together, everybody meeting at the Capitol. And if, um, if you didn't go to the Capitol, almost all the teachers were running like daycare centers cause the kids weren't in school, um, and the parents still needed to work. So teachers put on like different, um, places where the kids could go. Teachers were delivering food to parent to families because a lot of our kids get free lunch and free breakfast at school. So missing out on that. Um, during the week was going to be hard for the family. So people were out delivering stuff for them. And, like, that's kind of the stuff you don't really see on the news is all the stuff that teachers were doing. It wasn't just, you know, we took some time off. We were out doing stuff. So it was cool to see and learn about more about the government and people were in there talking to the representatives. And it was just a way, too, to, like, model what we teach our students. Like, you need to stand up for what is right. And... Um, so that part was really cool too, and I had an awesome district that supported um, everything we were doing. So it made it a lot less stressful for me compared to some other friends I had in different places. Awesome, that's that's,
1: that's a unique perspective that I, even I didn't have um, prior to hearing you talk about it like that. All I heard was what well, was on the news, and I think. It's, right it just kind of goes to show that bias of, of I just want to make sure that you get the point across that I want you to get my point of view. I don't want you to get the real deal so again another reason that Kyle is a champion for thinking drumming up the idea to do a podcast for teachers so uh, <laughs> it really, I mean I think that really enlightened me and I hope that other listeners that as they're listening to that that they really kind of see that it was bigger than just a teacher's salary Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just to know that it's, it's really, I mean, and I think I love that caption. I don't, I'm not going to try to find it and repost it where they, someone did the meme where it says, show the blank classroom, and it said a government from funded classroom. Yes. And then it has the other meme where it's all white and colorful, and it said a teacher funded classroom. And I'm like, okay, if it was about salary, then these should look the same, or at least be the opposite. Mm-hmm. But it's not about salary, it's about doing what's right by the people who are doing what's right. Right. And I think that's where we uh, we have to kind of uh, really sh- turn the spotlight on on in education how can we keep our students in the spotlight when we're making decisions on
2: everything that we're doing-hmm so exactly mm-hmm. and people uh, criticize like teachers shouldn't spend all that money then on kids but it's like you feel like you need to you know they don't right they don't need to be learning from a textbook that's 20 years old I'm gonna find the a better resource so we can learn and use technology
0: and use the things they're going to be using. So, yeah. Well, and it's, and it's so crazy too, when you have the secretary of education coming out and saying that these teachers should think more about their kids, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. going on these strikes and it's just so, it's so patently false that teachers are being selfish and not thinking about our kids that it's but I mean like you said with, with ins I think having Instagram and having other news sources, you know, um that that aren't biased, you know, you know, the digital news sources like now this or, you know, Refinery Twenty Nine and so many I mean, even Instagram and Snapchat, people are seeing what's really going on. uh mm-hmm. And it's just um I think that's one of the best parts of the social media world is that There's a platform to really put out, you know, and for if nothing else, you know, giving us a chance to speak our truth as teachers because we we don't want to have it dictated to us. I certainly don't feel like the little bit I know about you, I don't think you are someone who went out of her classroom just because she wanted to make more money. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, you don't strike me as that kind of person.
2: No. It's for our kids, so it was cool to see all the teachers get together and, um, all of that. So it was really, I thought it was a really good experience. I'm glad I was a part of, but also hope we don't have to do that again. <laughs>
0: right. right. Right.
2: All
1: right. Um, so could you tell us, I know we kind of talked, you talked about, you know, having a supplemental income, how uh, teachers pay teachers? Could you tell the backstory of your
2: stickers and where people can go to get them? Yeah. So, it's funny. I originally, I wanted a Silhouette Cameo because it, like, cuts all your stuff for your classroom. And I was like, hey, it'd be cool, you know, if I could um, use, like, Instagram and stuff and, you know, give people stickers and they would pay for that or whatever. And it kind of just took off, and then was one of those things like, well, I guess I should keep doing this because it's working, so, um, I have an Etsy shop, and it's called Sprinkle Top Shop, and it's all one word, um, and it's linked to in my highlight story in my Instagram, um, but, so I basically just make stickers that you can put on, like, your laptop, um, Hydra flasks, anything really that's like a solid surface and I do like custom ones that have your name plus whatever kind of clip art you want or I have a couple other ones that are like teacher with a heart in it or I come out with new ones every few months whenever I get down time to actually create them. Right now I have a bunch of custom ones up in my shop so I do that over summer or like weekends and yeah
0: awesome awesome so um, you know we've we've we talked about health and fitness and you have you've talked uh, about the importance of balance and also your love of sweets so we we had to talk about this um, we also are very much uh, in favor of the donut we uh-huh. we think I'm it's aficionado the donut. we are <laughs> so so as as so we it, just became best friends yep yep <laughs> So we would we would love to hear your your top three donuts that you okay. think everyone should try.
2: So, well, actually, I have celiac, and people don't realize that, so I have to have gluten free, which is puts a big damper on my donut game. But I have found good gluten free donuts at like different places. So right now, my current favorites are just like cinnamon sugar. And there's, like, this gluten-free glazed one that's, like, it's got to be one million grams of sugar. It's so good. And then, obviously, sprinkle donuts. But back in the day before I knew I had celiac, I loved, like, a good Boston cream donut. That was where I was at. What about you guys? You know, I'll be honest. I I
1: am truly just an old-fashioned glazed donut guy. I like a nice, warm, glazed donut that is, I mean, I, 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 we were talking with Kyle and, Kyle and me first, uh, earlier, I told him, I was like, I was looking at my next door app for my neighborhood and there's a new building built across the street from, like, on the other side of the road from me, and I told him, I said, man, you know, people are saying it's a Krispy Kreme, and I got confirmation that they're opening a Krispy Kreme here, and it's just, you know, we've driven... I'm going to tell you, I've driven like 24 miles to go to get Krispy Kreme's on Saturday to get green glazed donuts. So I'm not even ashamed to put that out there to the universe. I did do that. My wife that's and daughter impressive. in tow with me. Uh, it's for the kids. Uh, yeah, it's just for my daughter. She has the experience of green donuts. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, that's me. I'm just old fashioned glazed, especially Krispy Kreme. It has a special place to my heart. So.
0: I can't. I can't believe as a you, Tex. I can't believe as a Texan though. You're gonna favor the Krispy Kreme over the Shipley. You're gonna. You're gonna catch flack for that when people hear that. Hey, so when I lived in Austin, you know, state capital, I lived off of Stashney Lane, and it was literally
1: a Krispy Kreme walking distance from my townhome. And really? I just remember every morning getting me some coffee and going. To- I mean, I had a Krispy Kreme shirt. A nice little button-up shirt with the hat on it. I mean, it wasn't an employee, but, hey, I mean, I had the shirt. They saw me so much, and I was like, man, I really would love a shirt. No matter if they gave me a shirt. So, hey, Shipley's never gave me a shirt. I even have to buy my buckets from Shipley. So, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm good
0: with mm-hmm.
1: the yeah. <laughs> Krispy Kreme. They, they're my number one top donut spot right now.
0: I, I I really um I'm I'm very much of the long john variety. I, I don't really care what the long john is. I like the long john, but I especially like the uh, the cinnamon Persian long john. That's um that's right up my my alley. Or uh, I know they don't really ca- they're not considered a donut, but a a good warm old fashioned cinnamon roll is also my jam. Uh, yeah,
2: that's That was pretty yeah.
0: Good. So just found a
2: gluten free. One of those. That was exciting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just love the fact that we just had a six
2: minute conversation about
1: donuts. I love that's,
2: it. <laughs> it that's life is. Life is <laughs> I, know,
1: but
2: I say, I'm just don't so I'm going to go.
1: I'm crushing it right now in the gym. Right now. Because I don't want school starts and this Krispy cream is right here in between myself <laughs> and my school. Like, I have to pass it every morning and the light's going to be on, flashing, and that's good. You know, so I have to pressure it right now to make sure that I can enjoy and indulge in
0: that once a week.
2: It's like half air anyway, so it's fine. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> All right. So we definitely, uh, we definitely want to be respectful of your time. So we're gonna kind of get into the wrap-up questions. So this last set of questions, you can you can take it as as an educator, or you can just take it uh, in life. So. So the first question is here. Uh, what's the best advice you've been ever you've ever been given, and who was that person that gave it to you?
2: Yeah, I would say the best like teacher advice is what comes to mind, and it's really just do you do you. So what works for you or works for somebody else might not be what works for you. And I think I'd like to. My teammate that I teach with, she is, like, the singing, fluffy type that's, like, making up songs all the time, and that, like, terrifies me. But she's an awesome teacher, and I am not the type to go bring my ukulele and sing, but I want to do more, like, hands-on, you know, room transformations, all that. So I would say that's such a good piece of advice is you do whatever you think is going to work for you even if your neighbor is doing something else you can both be awesome teachers
0: and awesome. I don't know who
2: said that to me
0: though yeah I mean but I think just in general it's that's that's good that's not just good teaching advice that's good life advice as well you right so if you if you yep. could give struggling teachers Nikki one, one piece of advice what would it be?
2: Um, I would think, I would tell them, I swear it gets better, but <laughs> surround yourself with positive people. Um, like, if you're around teachers that are just like those Debbie Downers all the time and they're complaining, you're going to become one of those people. So, if you don't have like the positive influences, in your, on your team, like, find other teachers in your school that you can hang out with, eat lunch with them, um, and with social media, like, go on Instagram, find your person on there that's screaming what you're looking for, and, um, yeah, just find people that are what you want to be, like, and surround yourself with those people, and you're going to become a more positive teacher and get through those hard times.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I love the way you said that because one of the things my, I love to tell new teachers is that you have to find your own tribe. Mm-hmm. Teaching, teaching, there's so many different methodologies, and I love, like you said, don't try to do what somebody else is doing as a teacher. You know, I can say some things to, to, to teachers Kyle and I were on a team together, and, you know, I can say things to students that he couldn't say, mm-hmm. you know, and it will be received differently where, you know, I could tell a kid, you must have got up off your head this morning. Whereas another teacher say that to him, he may get offended to him. You know, what are you trying to say? But when I say it, they don't get offended. They're just like, that's loud. Come on, man. Did you walk in <laughs> my room like that? You know, they would understand that, it, you know, it's part of who I am. That ta- It's almost like teaching them the la- your own language.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I would rather you know me in my native tongue than me to try to always having to translate something else to you in a, in a different way by you being somebody else. So... I love it. That, that was the best advice. And that's kind of the same advice that you would give back to kind of pay forward to the surround yourself with those positive people mm-hmm. and, um, and go forth and teach. Uh, yep. So what is the best reading that you had in the last 12 months?
2: Um, so recently I read Wild Card. Um, but right now I'm starting to read Spark, which I'm really excited about because it's about movement in the classroom, but it's also the research and everything was done in, um, Naperville, which is when I went, where I went to college. So I'm a little more invested in it. Um, so I'm excited to be reading that, but, um, other than that, I kind of just, I switch between fun books and teacher books, whatever I'm feeling. So, Yeah nice got it
1: so what is your proudest accomplishment to
2: date mm, proudest accomplishment I would say like everything that is related to teaching and teachers be teachers like all of that together so um like my first year teaching was really really rough and I thought like guess I'll just be a teacher for a year and do something else but <laughs> I'm glad I stuck with it and, like, found Teachers Pay Teachers, and, like, that led me to finding, you know, those people that I talk about that who, like, build you up and who are excited about what they do, and I constantly am, like, seeing um, new things to try, and that's really made me such a better teacher, um, and it's kind of, like, teaching is definitely what's led me to be successful like in other areas of my life like buying a house or traveling. Um, So I guess just teaching in general is what I'm really proud of is like how I've improved over the years and how much I know I can still improve. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome.
1: Awesome. So this last question, before we go to the last question, I want to just personally thank you again for taking this moment out some time out of your schedule to, to talk with us and be a part of this conversation. Again, like I said, we've started this conversation, Kyle and I, um, over five years ago, just kind of trying to, to help people, help teachers navigate the classroom and students and understanding what, 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 what are the necessary components to making your classroom great. So we want to thank you uh, for being a part of this conversation with us
2: yeah thank you for having me too because you've interviewed some really awesome inspiring teachers too so I love listening to your podcast so then I also like this is so cool
0: thank you
1: (laughs) and now we get to add your name to the list yeah that is awesome that is awesome so the last question we ask to everyone what do you want to be your lasting legacy Um, I think
2: that I'm extremely passionate about, like, everything that I do. If you talk to me for 10 minutes, I'll start telling you about teaching and talk your ear off whether you want to hear about it or not. Um, but I want to be able to help my students find that same passion and find what they love to do every day, whether it has to do, you know, with math or school or art, um, but hopefully people remember just like how passionate I am and how much I want to help other people. Like even on Instagram, I love answering people's messages. They'll ask me like, how do you get started on TPT? What do I need to do? How do you do this in your classroom? Or just like asking for advice. I think that's like the coolest feeling ever is helping other people. So yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Thank you again. We really enjoyed um, the podcast. And and thank you for saying two of the funniest things I've heard in such a long time.
2: (laughs) You're so welcome. Thanks for having me.